Last spring, New Brunswick became the first province to require teachers to have parental consent to use a child's preferred name or pronoun uh, if they are under the age of 16. And that's a complete change from its previously policy that made it mandatory for teachers to use preferred names and pronouns for all children in their classrooms. And there was concern among 2S LGBTQ plus advocacy groups that forcing non-binary and transgender students to use a name they don't identify with could put some children at risk. New Brunswick backtracked a bit after a report came out that said the policy violated a child's human rights and it allows professionals such as social workers and school guidance counselors to use names and pronouns when they are supporting students. Now, Saskatchewan has implemented a similar policy. Ontario's education minister says he believes parents should be making the decision, although so far there's been no change in policy in Ontario. And Manitoba's progressive conservative leader says she'll bring in the same policy if she's elected in October. I think a big part of the issue is that many people don't understand sexual and gender diversity and pronouns. Quest Community Health Center in St. Catharines provides basic and transgender health care, as well as counseling and outreach through its Rainbow Niagara program. Manager Stephanie Bale and outreach worker Kai Kristoff are on the show today to talk us through the meanings of sexual and gender diversity, names and pronouns. Also, the support provided by Rainbow Niagara to the 2S LGBTQ plus community and the outreach work they do in schools. Hi, Steph. Hi, Kai. How are you today? Hi, Kai. Hi, Steph. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on and um, and talking about Rainbow Niagara. I think it's uh, it's an important program and it's um, pretty current right now to have this discussion. Steph, can you just give me some history of the program? Because I know the program has been running for for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll start by saying so Quest has always identified the 2S LGBTQ plus community as one of our priority populations. So from the start, so since we started in 2010 operating, um, and then it was in 2011 when the Rainbow Niagara program, which used to be the Rainbow Youth Niagara program, which is a lot of the youth programming, but when that joined Quest. So it was at that time when we added um, events for youth and different youth groups and community education sessions and connecting with youth in different ways through outreach too. So the program changed, it built, it built from that point. And one of the important programs that you offer that isn't offered by anyone else in Niagara is a transgender program. Um, which is counseling right up to medical. So can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so we do. So we offer trans health care at Quest here. So, you know, in terms of medical gender affirming care. So people come here to access um, HRT or hormone replacement therapy, referrals for gender affirming surgery, pre post op follow up. Um, but we also offer one-on-one -on -one support for ages 12 and up around gender identity and or sexual identity. Um, so providing support to people and, you know, parents, caregivers as well as helping people navigate resources. It's often quite difficult to 
become connected to services, just getting connected, figuring out how to get connected to resources can be challenging for people. Um, so yeah, and then we also offer assistance with um, legal name change, gender marker change as well for our clients. And so parents, for example, could come in individually if we're, we're obviously an adult can can come in and make appointments and so on. But but parents can come in for some counseling if they're if they're in a situation or their child is in a situation where they're questioning and they're just trying to figure out, you know, literally what's going on. So that is one of the things that the transgender program does, which I think is pretty important right now because we're seeing a lot more youth, at least I feel we're seeing a lot more youth who are who are coming out and, and questioning. It, it seems to me that um, so there'd be a lot more parent and a lot bigger need for parents to have something to help them understand and navigate. Now, you have a lot of other programs as well beyond the medical and counseling and can we talk a bit about those? Because I think that those are are really, really important because you're bringing people from the 2SLGBTQ plus community together. Mm-hmm. So people can uh, socialize with with other people in a way that they, they may not be able to otherwise because it's hard to find that kind of support. Yeah, we do offer. So we offer a number of groups. So we offer a social group, two social groups for youth. We offer a 10 to 13 group for two SLGBTQ plus youth and um, and allies. And then we offer a 14 to 19 trans and gender questioning youth group. So both of those groups are social opportunities for youth to connect with each other in a safe space and just have fun. We always plan activities and have snacks and come together. We laugh a lot. Um, and we also partner with a couple of other groups, uh, Brock Student Justice Center and Niagara Falls Community Health Center to offer an adult drop-in once a month social group. So for 19 years of age and older, for people who are part of the community who want to connect. So there's that group as well. We also offer as adult trans support group. How important is it for people to have a group like this in Niagara. Yeah, I think it's extremely important. And Kai, feel free to jump in as well. Um, But I just having social connections and a space where you can connect, where young people can connect with other people who may be going through very similar things or who maybe have similar, you know, struggles or celebrations. We're, We're also talking about the joy of being part of the community. Um, I think it's really important. And I think there is, in Niagara, people can feel quite isolated and not connected and feel like they're going through these things all on their own. And that's it's scary. You know, that's scary. It's scary and, and lonely. And I think in particular, you know, in the political climate right now and what's happening um, just this week and what's happening, yeah, in Ontario, like there, we we more than ever need these spaces. Yeah, it's pretty shocking that the federal government, the Canadian government, had to had to issue travel warnings for eighteen states. Uh, and uh, I think it, I don't. This isn't isn't the exact wording, but it was basically uh, you need to be aware that there may be problems with uh, 
uh, people being negative towards you if you're a gay person. And, and I mean, that is just, it's beyond belief that mm -hmm. we've gone back to that. Uh, Kai, I'm just going to turn to you now for a second. You're one of the, you're, you're, job is pretty much going out and i know steph you do this with education as well but your job is is going out into the public the two of you and putting on information groups and are some of these for example for for uh businesses or other people who you you know who are allies and want to know more about the programs at quest and maybe more about what's happening with the 2SLBGQ plus community um, in a greater sense in, in Niagara? Yeah, definitely. There's two ways we go about that. The first is we'll frequently have service providers reach out one-on-one -on -one to talk about services and programs. The other is going in really to anyone who's interested, any community groups, schools, nonprofits, uh, and getting the information out there so folks know about the resources. And that also involves a bit of history around 2SLGBTQ plus uh, policy within Canada. So I'm doing some work with Senior um, Pride Network Niagara. And they are doing what you're talking about largely for the seniors community. And, and, and part of what they do in terms of community groups is one of the, one of the um, areas they mentioned was long-term care homes and helping the staff and the people who run a long-term care home understand because there are a lot, I mean, we have a huge seniors population, so there are a lot of, um, of elderly people. I think I will elderly, I believe it's over the age of 50 for senior pride um, who are living in, in either, you know, communities or in long-term care homes who don't feel connected and don't feel that there's healthcare available to them. And is that part of rainbow? Sorry, yeah. Rainbow Niagara as well. Cause I know there's a connection there with you and spin. There, there is a connection, I guess. So I, within the work that I do in terms of advocacy work, I'm actually part of SPIN um, on their steering committee. So um, yeah, so Senior Pride is just doing great work in terms of creating education for long-term care. And I, I guess anyone who works with youth, um, as well as there's going to be like some social um social events coming up for seniors as well, who often feel quite isolated, right? Who, once again, it's important to have those connections and community, right? So there is a connection between. You go into the schools and Kai, I think you do the do a bunch of the work in the schools. And what are the kinds of, of presentations and, and things do you talk about and, and what kind of sort of are there social events and so on that you that you do in the schools? A typical presentation has very similar information to the community service provider type of presentation. And it really meets the needs of folks that know nothing about uh, the 2SLGBTQ plus community. 
up to folks that are actively involved or have friends and family within that group. And there are elements of allyship. And I find that it's much needed in school still. And there's a sense of relief for youth identifying within the community that their peers will know a bit more about their experience and have more empathy. And it's been very empowering to see that impact. Uh, we also do go into GSAs and we'll partner with them on doing something such as making pronoun buttons or doing self-care activities and giving youth the space to be social and have fun while also learning about other quest groups and programs. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that there was a lot of uh, controversy about um, groups within schools, in, in individual schools, for, for, for younger people who identified as um, a, a part of the 2SLGBTQ plus community. And it's really good to see that that's pretty much school-wide and in, in every school now in Ontario. And there's also, so let's talk a little bit about the social side as well. So I'm interested in prom, pride prom. And what is that? Like, are these, is, are, are kids not feeling comfortable or connected to, to be in their school prom? Or is it some kids are, yeah, they're good with their school prom, but they really relate to the um, pride prom. Kai, is, is, do you get a sense of that from the schools? I think there's the need for both. Having integration into, into these special events, but then also having an additional space where youth know that they're not going to be questioned about their clothing choices or who they bring with them. That that's just a neutral, natural part of the event, as opposed to some of the restrictions that might come up. Um, although thankfully less as times progressed. Um, I, I think Stephanie would have a bit more insight on that, though. Yeah, I, I do think like I agree with what you just mentioned, Kai. I think that's important. And I think a lot of people I have heard from do feel super comfortable at our prom um just like in terms of safety like in terms of washroom maybe or just in general i i've heard youth say like it's a lot more fun so i'm just like well that's nice to hear um it's a lot of fun like with our pride prom we get youth involved in the planning um they help us come up with a theme and decorations and We've had drag performances in the past and um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a great night. And we haven't been able to do it since COVID. So we're hoping this spring it's going to come back. So we, instead we've been doing um, pride events like every June and Halloween events as well. We have been offering events, just more small scale. And we're hoping we're going to be back, back in the school <laughs> to do pride prom. Yeah. Yeah. Without getting into into this in depth because I know pronouns um, and and so on are are um, and gender diversity are very complex sometimes. But you did mention it with with kids and how important. And I'm I'm thinking maybe 
the groups and pride prom are maybe the only times that kids are allowed to express themselves with pronouns and people don't understand a lot about it. So um, there's like, there's pronouns, they, them, people can find that very confusing, but is that one of the things that, that kids feel they can do when they're in this safer environment? Because safety is a word that I hear everywhere. No matter what group I'm talking to, whether it's SPIN, it's Out Niagara, it's Pride Niagara, safety can be one of the, the central things that, that people talk about. And I think pronouns kind of fall into that feeling safe category. Is that, is that the sense that you have, Kai, when you're, when, you're, when you're talking to kids and when you're helping kids with things, with social, social uh, events? Where they do they feel more comfortable expressing themselves there and maybe aren't comfortable outside of that environment? I think it's a case by case basis. As a whole, it's quite common for youth to be selective with different family members and friends, having concerns about being kicked out of the home or estranged from the family. Um so for some folks, yes. It really depends. It, Do you find yes, knowing that that they can express themselves that way? Yeah, and that they won't be questioned for that is a given at our programs. So now you know you've brought up the idea that kids become become and and anybody. I mean, we're not just talking kids on this. We're talking anybody. So maybe Steph, this is more a question for you because um, it's across the age groups where people are still experiencing that kind of um, disenfranchisement or, 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 you know, their, their family not being comfortable um, with their identity. And are they sometimes still being rejected from those personal relationships with their, with their families? Yeah, I would say so for sure. And, you know, also supporting adults, it's you know navigating a relationship a partner a marriage um you know work environment as well maybe coming out um, as trans and trying to navigate you know the complexities involved in that too yeah trans is trans is a, a huge thing for for adults because it's um I know, you know, Ali Phillips, who's transgender man, and he's um, connected in with the youth programs at Silver Spire Church. And he came out on Facebook because he didn't want to have all of those conversations with family, friends. He didn't mean it in a, in a bad way to anybody. Uh, he just felt like, get it over with. Mm-hmm. And I would think coming out um, trans would be one of the hardest things in the world to do because while there's a little bit more understanding right now, it's still for people very hard to understand that um, why you would do it. Like, why would you choose to be trans when in fact it's way, the way you're born biologically 
Like this is not, it's like there's no choice to be gay. People used to say, well, why do you choose to be gay? People don't tend to do that now, but people are very afraid of people who are transgender. And of course, this is one of the big focuses in the States. When you're talking to people about that and about transitioning, and that's all part of the Rainbow Niagara program that you have, how how hard is that? Because I'm saying it's really hard, and I'm but I'm not somebody going through that. I'm not somebody making that decision. Are you asking like I, someone's experience? Yeah, like, um, yeah. I mean, making that decision to and I and I'm focusing on that because there's a lot of focus on trans people in a very negative way here and in the states, but it's happening here. I mean, it's mm-hmm. happening in, in Niagara. So when somebody comes to you and, and sort of starts the process questions and asks questions, how hard is it for them to make that decision to come in and, and talk to you about it? And um, I think it depends on the person and the, the, their journey and their situation, but I think it can be really difficult I think it can be really difficult. So the um, trans, so the tr- uh, the the Quest um, Rainbow Niagara program has grown over. I think you said 2011 was the, when it sort of first started, and um, I think it's obviously grown a lot. And um, people who want to get in touch with with Quest can go on the website, and that. I, is I believe is questchc.ca or yep. they can reach out to you directly by by call, calling the quest front desk and okay. they would be connected with you. Uh, thank you for for uh, for talking to me. I mean it's obviously it's a very complex um, conversation and we sort of really did a, a broad overview. But um, I think Rainbow at Niagara is fantastic. And uh, I should, I should, I, I always usually say I'm on the Quest Board of Directors. So I'm always so amazed by the fabulous work that's done there. That's so unique to the community. So uh, thanks for both of you. Thanks, Kai and, and Steph for coming on and giving us a little bit more information and insight to, to the services that are available. Thanks for having us, Janice.